Hello and welcome to Habemus Papam, episode 119, Sergius III. Dear brothers and sisters, Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis. Annuncio Vobis Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Gaudium Magnum. Habemus Papam. So this is one of those episodes where I warn you in advance that Sergius III is a bad dude. He has a scandalous pontificate, and it is not necessarily for the faint of heart. We've already met Sergius. He was a Roman and a deacon, and he tried to get himself elected pope in 898 as the head of the anti-Formosus faction, but he was defeated and exiled by John IX. Sergius had been ordained a subdeacon by Pope Marinus I, a deacon by Stephen V, and then a bishop by Formosus. But since he was anti-Formosus, he believed that all of Formosus' activities were illegitimate, including his own ordination. He claimed even that Pope Formosus forced him to be ordained, and thus he could not be a bishop. At some point, he was ordained a priest again, and we, we hear about him being condemned at the synod held in Ravenna to officially destroy from memory the cadaver synod. But anyway, by 904, he's back on the scene. Now, between 898 and 904, we have the arrival also on the scene of a new power in Rome, whose name was Theophylact, the Count of Tusculum. Tusculum was a small town near Rome. Today, it's ruins. But Theophylact was a very astute and powerful politician. He allied himself with the Duke of Spoleto, a man named Alberic I, and he began working in Rome itself to get him into greater positions of authority. With the Duke of Spoleto, he was instrumental in removing the anti-pope Christopher and having Sergius appointed as pope. And either he personally or Sergius ordered the murders of both Leo V and Christopher at some point in 904. They were both strangled in prison. And with the death of Leo V, Sergius III seems to have become the official pope. Sergius immediately sought to consolidate power and to help out his friends who got him there. So he had Theophylact appointed to some important Roman positions, which basically made him the secular ruler of Rome. And Theophylact's family is unfortunately going to play a huge role going forward, so we should meet them as well. He married a woman named Theodora, who was just as politically astute and conniving as her husband, and who shared in his political power. In fact, she was called a senatress, as he was the senator of Rome. Theophylact had two daughters. One, named Theodora, we'll come into the story a little bit later down the road, but the one most important for our story today is the elder named Merotsia, who would eventually marry Alberic I of Spoleto, but I say eventually very deliberately. But before we continue with Theophylact and his family, first some more constructive aspects of the papacy of Sergius III. Sergius undertook the rebuilding of the Lateran Basilica, which had been postponed previously. Sergius likewise negotiated with the king of northern Italy, Berenger I, who seems to have been preferred by the anti-Formosus faction about whether or not he should come to become crowned Holy Roman Emperor. But those negotiations didn't go anywhere due to the opposition of Alberic and other local nobles. Sergius also re-condemned Pope Formosus and all his ordinations, of which, as you remember, he was one. Finally, the scandalous stuff. Though we're not entirely certain of it, it appears that Sergius carried on an illicit affair with Merotsia, the daughter of the Count Theophylact. At least that's what a lot of sources at the time said. Merotsia supposedly bore him a son named John of Tusculum in 910. Again, this is uncertain, because Merotsia had married Alberic by 910, and it doesn't seem probable that this illicit affair would continue after her marriage. But 
Who knows? Our main source for this is Liputrand of Cremona, who had some personal vendetta against the anti-Formosan faction, and he wasn't necessarily 100% historically accurate. I have read scholars and sources which hold both positions. We don't really know. For now, it's up in the air. One glimmer of hope, however, in our dark century is that in 910 AD, right in the middle of Pope Sergius's time as Bishop of Rome, Duke William of Aquitaine in France founded a Benedictine monastery in Cluny. He did something special with this monastery. He placed it outside the local feudal political jurisdiction and made it dependent only upon the Pope. This is a big deal. In a world in which local political factions are using the church for their own ends all over Europe, inside this feudal structure. We've even seen this, like I said, with the papacy. But with this case, it's something special. Cluny is outside of all of those political interests. It is outside of all those local political jurisdictions. And it's not subject to the whims of the rulers in the time period. It can just focus on its purpose, which is to praise God and to serve him. Cluny would become the center of ecclesiastical and monastic reform throughout the 10th and 11th centuries, and it's going to spread its influence throughout the whole church. William put in charge of this new monastery, St. Berno of Cluny, who is really a shining star of sanctity in a very dark time. St. Berno was adamant at living fully the Benedictine rule, praising God above all things and living a life of poverty and prayer. And Cluny and the monks of Cluny are going to continue to play a role in our story. So here is the start. In the midst of a really awful papacy, we have this new seed of hope. So the picture we have of Sergius is not a good one. He is ruthless, he is corrupt, he is sinful, and unfortunately will get worse. But we see here the Roman factionalism and secular control coming to fruition, and its fruit was evil. Now, whether or not all of this is true, or whether it's trumped up sensationalism by the opposing faction, it is hard to judge. But most scholars seem to think that Sergius was certainly a bad guy, he was certainly licentious in his behavior, and he was not a holy pope. Sergius III died on April 14, 811, and was buried in St. Peter's Basilica. He was succeeded by Anastasius III, and we will talk about his pontificate next week. Thank you for listening to Habemus Papam. You can check out the rest of the Catholic Bites podcast at catholicbitespodcast.com, or you can find us on iTunes. Thank you, and God bless you.